we gather in the name of God. God who loves each of us endlessly. God who has gifted us lavishly. God who hopes and watches and waits. God who is with us now, always. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, gift-giving God, in this moment draw us ever closer to you. Make us aware not so much of what we've been given, but rather make us far more aware of how often it is that we wander away from you and squander your gifts. Wrap around us the robe of your forgiveness, a generous word of welcome home, and the opportunity to live in, with, and under the mantle of your grace and love. In your name we pray. Amen. Our sacred text for today from the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there, he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything at all. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost, but is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, 
the elder son was out in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and saw dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. The elder son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Here ends the reading. What a joy it is for me to bring this message on the eve of homecoming weekend. It was 1974 when I walked across the grass at Mount Cliff Stadium and onto the stage and received my California Lutheran College Diploma. Yes, I'm really that old. (laughs) And since then, each time I step onto this campus, it feels like coming home, today included. And we all know that experience, don't we? When certain places, Certain relationships, even certain smells and sounds conjure up feelings of being at home. And I wonder at what point in Jesus' wonderfully crafted parable that we just heard Scott read, would you say the youngest son received the gift of coming home? Is it that moment as this modern artist suggests, when the father is running out to meet him? Or are you inclined to agree with Rembrandt, who in this well-known painting unforgettably pictures the younger son leaning up against the chest of the father whose hands are mercifully stretched over him? Or do you concur with Guercino, who portrays the pivotal moment as when the son's rags are removed and he is dressed in that best robe and new sandals. Now, if you're a Cal Lutheran party animal, you might go with Louis de Coulery, who captures the scene when the feast is spread and guests are gathered to celebrate. You'd be there, wouldn't you? 
Well, in my admittedly quick and dirty search of Google images for prodigal son artwork, I could not find a rendering of that scene in which I imagine the son is receiving the gift of coming home. And my scene of that particular moment in that parable has its genesis at a horrifying and in a horrifying experience in a distant land. It was May 2006. Our younger son, Micah, had just graduated from California Lutheran College University and shortly after, he was on a plane to Norway with the concert choir for their Scandinavian tour. Well, my wife and I took this as an opportunity to discover our Swedish roots, and we met the choir in Stockholm for their last glorious concert. And we also seized that moment to hop over to St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, Russia, which many of our friends had raved about. Well, the first day at St. Petersburg, Micah was under the weather, and he decided to stay in the hotel to get rest and recover. So by subway and foot, Peg and I went out to explore, and we first found our way to Dostoevsky's apartment. Next, we headed to Nevsky Prospect, one of those main thoroughfares in the city where lots of restaurants could be found for a bite to eat. And as we approached Nevsky Prospect, we saw crowds of people lining the streets and mulling around. We heard a band, and it was playing as it marched. And then there came this truck pulling an ice skating rink with young students on it dancing or skating to Tchaikovsky. It was City Day, a major event. To us Southern Californians, this is kind of like just unexpectedly stumbling into the Rose Parade <laughs> on New Year's Day. Well, we decided to take it all in by making our way to a Lutheran church that we wanted to worship in the next Sunday. Yes, some of us Lutheran pastors are really that nerdy. And that plan worked well until that mass of people walking on either side of us became like a thick river of people crushed together, all crawling in the same direction. Several of us attempted to find our way out, but we realized we were walled in, and fear and panic seized the crowd. Peg and I really just clung on to each other, and then suddenly I found myself whipped around, wrenched away, and heading in the other direction. Within seconds, I lost sight of my wife, Peg. And as I gripped our day pack, it was really all I could do to stay on my feet. And each time that river of people lifted me up, my mind chatter intensified. How in the world will Peg and I find each other? Why hadn't I given her the address and the name of the hotel? <laughs> and maybe some money. What would happen if we end up in the hospital? Who's going to tell Micah? And then to make matters worse, behind me to my left was a young, tattooed, 
spike-haired Russian. And each time I looked over my shoulder, he had his eyes fixed right on me. Great, I muttered to myself. He's after my day pack, or worse, my safety belt. Well, with every swell of that panicked crowd, I turned and I looked at him and I noticed his gaze was right on me. Then a wave of that anxious crowd lifted me up again and this time as I came down, I stumbled. This was it, I figured. That wasn't what the band was playing. And as I stumbled, these tattooed arms came around my waist and literally yanked me up. I'm not sure how, but right after that, I found myself kind of being spilt out onto a sidewalk that was clear next to a shop. And I was exhausted. I sat down to rest, I worried about Peg, and I decided to remain there till things had settled down and it was all safe. And though it seemed like an eternity, a minute or so later, Peg sort of just came spilling out as well, right at the same spot. And we hung on to each other tight. As we headed back by foot and by another way to the hotel, we both were digesting what just took place? I wondered with Peg out loud about that young man. Was his attentiveness and literally his life-saving help a random act of kindness? Probably so. But his presence and his actions seemed to hold greater meaning to me. And of all things, I started thinking about this parable and verse 20. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. Saw him. Before the younger son was aware, the father with extravagant love was gazing upon him. Can't you see the father's heart and eyes Beaming, beaming with irrational attachment and lavish joy. If I were an artist, this is the moment I would want to put on the canvas. Each parable of Jesus is a glimpse of the heart of God, a word picture of God the Creator who He came to reveal. And he is painting a portrait here of the gracious and generous love of the Holy One, gazing on us, holding us, treasuring us, today, every day, on the best and on the worst of our days. In that gaze, and that being treasured, that's our true home, our home of homes, our home where our raw, real selves can be welcomed, 
our home where we can be summoned and called out to be all that we're meant to be. The incredibly amazing news of this parable is that this crazy love of this God, which is our true home, that crazy love has an eye on us now. And as a sheer gift is on its way to us. If that gift can come to a guy like me in St. Petersburg, or to a younger son who is absolutely clueless about what awaits him, why not here? Why not now? Why not every day? Why not on this campus? Happy homecoming sons and daughters of Cal Lutheran. Stay alert, be attentive. The love in the heart of our God, our home of home, has an eye on us. And it's coming our way. Thanks be to God. Let us stand to pray together. Draw us close to you. How easily we leave your side, holy God, for a place far away. Lured away, we find dark places absent of life, so open our eyes and draw us close to you. Strengthen our spirits and create our hearts to be new and in so doing, draw us close to you. Guide us to your tattooed and welcoming arms, away back from being so easily lost, to the music and the dancing, and to a place at the table, to a love that waits and waits and waits more than we can imagine. We join in singing our closing hymn. I'm going to give you two blessings today. The first blessing is that there is some beautiful music in the chapel this weekend. The orchestra concert is Friday night at 8, excuse me, 7.30. And you can hear more of the Women's Chorale and the University Choir on Sunday at 2. And the second blessing, forever loved by the almighty grace and love of God. Go now and bear God's love to a hurting world. Amen. God's peace be with you all. Let us share that peace with one another.